The views and opinions expressed by hosts, invited speakers, and callers do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the Black Talk Media Project or the Black Talk Radio Network. Let your wise rise up, see the signs of the times at this time. Rise up, rise up. When death and hell dwell among all God's people, when those we chose and trusted have become completely corrupted and inherently evil, when the beast that feeds you starves our father's children, when snuff porn and pedo forms begin to get top billing, rise up. When famine claims millions, when justice. Peace and welcome to New Abolitionist Radio. A program that seeks to educate, inform, and agitate on the issue of 21st century slavery. Hosted by social activist and spoken word poet Max Parker, with new abolitionist and actionist Johanna Elia and Black Talk Media Project founder Scotty Reese. On this program, we discuss recent news on legalized 21st century slavery and human trafficking, along with projects and people who help combat it. January 27, 2016. Our stories include a Bipartisan task force created by Congress issued what they are labeling as an urgent call to action Tuesday to overhaul the nation's federal prisons and reduce the number of U.S. inmates by 60,000 over the next decade. It's a smack in the face to everything we know. Also, using Khalif Browder's story as an example, President Obama wrote a lengthy op-ed in the Washington Post on limiting the practice of placing juveniles in solitary confinement. This comes in concert with a new ruling from the U.S. Supreme Court on life sentences will offer our perspective as abolitionists. According to the Miami Herald, the death of Darren Lane, 50, in 2012, as was reported here on New Abolitionist Radio, was attributed to complications stemming from schizophrenia, heart disease, and confinement. In the shower where he was placed as punishment for defecating in his cell and then refusing to clean it up. In other words, it was an accident that they locked him in a scalding shower until his skin boiled off and it killed him, effectively fulfilling George Mellencroft's book on getting away with murder. A disturbing yet incredibly revealing video was uploaded to YouTube a couple days ago which shows a Kenwood police officer admitting to a slew of misdeeds. His admissions to teenagers is all caught on tape as he explains criminal and unconstitutional police quotas. In other words, he tells you he's a slave catcher. Louisiana, prison capital of the world, hosts the biggest U.S. prison convention. Yeah, that is the headline. We'll go into it tonight, along with sharing a chart that will show you how private prison companies profit from almost every function of the American criminal justice system. This week's rider of the 21st Century Underground Railroad is Alan Newton, who spent 22 years behind bars for a rape he didn't commit. Our abolitionist in profile tonight is none other than Matt Turner, 1800-1831, the subject of the new film, Birth of a Nation. Expect all of that and more tonight on New Abolitionist Radio. We invite you to join the conversation by calling us at one 
The extension is 549-032-POUND. Just press star 6 and 1 to queue up in the conference line with a question or comment. Once again, I'm Max Parker. What's happening, Scotty? Hey, Max. <clears throat> Good evening, Max. <laughs> Thank you very much, brother. Thank you very much. I, I want to start out with just by saying happy birthday to my oldest daughter. She turns the big 3-0 today. What's so her name? Big up to you, Kim. Kimberly. Happy birthday, Kimberly. <laughs> yep, happy birthday. Got man. big uh, shoes to fill, both your parents. <laughs> they're working on it, man. The kids are all talented, and they, they're all doing something. Though, and nothing, you, know? you can't grow up around me and not be involved. Nah, I mean, I'm we just teasing. Like, <laughs> we have them in the womb at the rallies. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, um, and, uh probably is on his way from work, and uh, once he joins us, um, you know, he uh, certainly will be chiming in. Um, but um, I guess we'll go, what, through our opening statements? Because I have something yeah. I would like to say. Yeah, please, uh, share with us uh, what's the week been like, what it is you want to share with the people. Yeah, uh, greetings to all the abolitionists out there. All right. Uh, one of the huge, one of the largest obstacles that we face today is people having accurate information um, and whether or not slavery was abolished, whether it was amended. What, 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 you know, misinformation and, and, and whatnot in terms of slavery. You know, that's one of the huge obstacles. I think last week, uh, Max, you might have brought up. Um, the article, we might have talked about the article I wrote about the two black women, which I found out later was the three black women yeah. who wrote that book, yeah. uh, talking about happy birthday to George Washington, a birthday cake for George Washington and whatnot. With the happy slaves. Yeah, with the happy slaves and, and whatnot. And, and it was just historically inaccurate. Um, you know, and I know it was a book written for children, but why we want to lie to children? You know what I'm saying? We should always be telling children the truth, you know, and and so we addressed that last week, uh, you know, about black people participating in the whitewashing of American history um, and, and helping uh, other people tell lies about, you know, slavery and what it is and, and, and whatnot. And so this week, you know, again, I didn't write the article. I actually have a rough draft of it, but I've been, you know, posting stuff. Uh, bits and pieces from the article about Abraham Lincoln. You know, Ta-Nehisi Coates, a lot of people know him from Hidden Colors, I believe is, is the name of it. And, you know, he's a writer for The Atlantic. And The Atlantic is one of the oldest newspapers, even though I, I don't know if they still publish a magazine or if they have totally moved their operations online, you know, digital media. But, um, he writes for the Atlantic. Um, it's one of the oldest news publications in the United States. It, it started in the 1850s. Um, they were also credited with publishing some of the first uh, abolitionist letters. Uh, one of the first, you know, uh, ma magazines or periodicals or whatever it was, you know, that had a, na a nation, a national wide readership. And they were, you know, among the first at the time to publish uh, abolitionist articles uh, prior to the Civil War. All right. So they had an abolitionist history, although I don't know much about the owners and whether or not they were abolitionists, whether or not they, you know, uh, consider black people to be inferior 
and whatnot. So anyway, I, I said all of that to give you some background because if Tanahasi Coates, when he wrote this last article, the second article uh, attacking Bernie Sanders over, uh, you know, why he doesn't support reparations, but within that article, the second article, it says, and I quote, an Atlantic put this in, highlighted this, put it in big extra bold letters. So divisive will Abraham Lincoln's embrace of abolition that he got him shot in the head. Now, I don't know how much Ta-Nehisi Coates knows about Abraham Lincoln's real story. Um, it may be that he has only been exposed to the whitewashed lies that we all have been told about Abraham Lincoln. But if you're a regular listener of New Abolitionist Radio, we've been telling you that he is the great deceiver. He is not the great emancipator. He is not the great liberator or anything of, of the sort. Um, and, and so when you write something like that, not only is it factually, it's factually incorrect. All right. But to say that old Lincoln was so cur, he had so much courage in his heart and he didn't care about dividing people because that's what you were saying. So divisive was Abraham Lincoln's embrace of abolition that it got him shot in the head. No, Johns Wilkes Booth did not sh kill Lincoln because he, quote unquote, freed some black people or ended slavery because he didn't. The 13th Amendment, which we talk about all the time, clearly did not end slavery. John Wilkes Booth got angry because Abraham Lincoln was talking about, um, uh, he gave a speech. And I don't believe he did this out of the goodness of his heart because he thought black people were inferior. He was an admitted white supremacist who said lots of racist things about black people. But considering that all these black people just helped you keep the union together. And, and I know Frederick Douglass and the rest of them brothers and sisters was demanding the right to vote for these black people who just helped you save your union. All right. So he had gave a speech talking about voting rights back then for black people. And that is what pissed John Wilkes Booth off and killed and where he assassinated uh, Lincoln. All right. Uh, that's just factual information. You can look that information up. I have found several sources to confirm that. Um, but to even, you know, say that Lincoln was killed because he embraced abolition, that tells me that you have not studied uh, Lincoln. You do not know how even Frederick Douglass was was angry with Lincoln for the great fraud that he had perpetrated against everyone against the ab the real true abolitionists just because Lincoln said that he didn't support slavery he did nothing to end slavery and he made that quite clear throughout his writings that he was not about to interfere with the property of the southern white slave owners he was the only thing he said was and, and this is because of the abolitionists putting pressure on him is that in the new territories where they was ripping off land from uh, Native Americans like Missouri and whatnot. You had uh, what, the Kansas border wars or whatnot. Uh, you know, Johanna has talked about that because he lives in Kansas. And you had John Brown, you know, uh, killing some of them, them enslavers and, and, and whatnot. The only thing Lincoln said to them was, I'm against the expansion of slavery to the new territories. But in terms of if you was enslaved, in the southern, he wasn't trying to end slavery, man. And if you ain't, you can say all you want to. You can, you know, move your lips to say, I think slavery is wrong. 
But if you don't do anything to bring it to an end, and then you even send letters to people in the South telling them they ain't got nothing to worry about, I don't think you can be classified as no abolitionist. I mean, what about you, Max? I mean, is it enough for me to just say, oh, I think slavery's wrong, you know? But then I'm, but then whenever, like I have shown on Facebook through two different instances where you had commanders in the field who conquered uh, Confederate territory and set those enslaved Africans free, and then Lincoln telling them, no, two different times now, and then he contradicts himself. And, and so, you know, Look, I'm willing to give people a pass for their ignorance because I'm ignorant about uh, uh, many of things. But I would suspect, though, that the Atlantic, the editors at the Atlantic, unless they, you know, just just purposely engaging in deception, that they would have corrected Mr. Tanahasi Coates and said, you know, no, dude, Lincoln was not killed because of his his divisive embrace. Uh, abolitionists and they would have set the record straight but I suspect that the Atlantic like all these other publications like all of these school textbooks even these college courses just want to keep repeating this lie despite ample evidence that Lincoln was an enemy he betrayed the abolitionist movement and, and in my opinion uh, 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 he deserved to get executed even though John Wills Booth executed him for the wrong reason this man betrayed every abolitionist that helped get him elected into office and then he betrayed every union soldier and, and other people committed to the cause of abolitionists that gave their lives or put their lives at risk to free the enslaved Africans and, and bring slavery to an end on this continent. And, and it's just sad that we're still stuck with his legacy, not only his fake legacy, but his real legacy of the 13th Amendment exception clause, which allow not only the South, but the rest of the country to practice a new form of slavery. And I'll just really just disturb to see that in the Atlantic. So I, I, I know that wasn't slated, and that's why I just had to get that off my chest, Max, in, a, in my opening comments. Well, I took the liberty of posting on New Abolitionist Radio's uh, page some of the racist comments from Lincoln. Between the period of 1858 and 1865, just a short little seven-year period, the world changed, including a civil war here in the United States. And during that time, there was a great deception as Scotty Reed eloquently put out, uh, perpetrated upon not only the black people of America, but on the people of the world. And 28 years later, in 1888, Frederick Douglass stood on the steps at the uh, at Washington Monument and declared it a fraud, and a fraud upon the entire world, and denounced it. These are the things we don't teach in history schools. The initial seven-year period, for instance, it began with, in 1858, uh, Lincoln said, and insomuch as they cannot so live while they do remain together, there must be the position of superior and inferior, and as much as any other man am in favor of having the superior position assigned to the white race. That's how he felt. He was an racist, uh, straight up. Uh, and uh, if not for the pressure, as Scotty said, of Frederick Douglass and the abolitionists, we wouldn't have gotten that far because they didn't do it to stop, Lincoln wasn't in it to stop slavery. He said clearly, I'm doing this to keep the union together. 
And I really don't care whether or not slavery is in it. Yeah, so, I, you know, it's just important, man, that it's always important, not just in terms of our abolitionist work, but it's just important to that we read and that we not just read, but we check sources to make sure that what we're reading is accurate. Because, you know, again, you know, many people are not reading the 13th Amendment. Many people still are under the false belief that slavery has been abolished in this country and that question has been settled. And now what we face is something new. It's called mass incarceration and policing for profit and, and you know, all these new terms. And, and that's fine. That's fine. You know, uh, that's fine. But. You know, I, I'm like, let's just call it what it is. Let's just call it what it is and recognize that fact. But it's just very important, people, that we do research. You know, don't take what I say, what Max says, what Johannes says, anything you hear on this program. Double check it. Do your own research. And you will find that we did dot our I's and cross our T's, that we put in a lot of research for what we talk about. All right. So I, I just think it's very, very important with with so much deception being practiced in the world and especially in media. Uh, man, it, it just it just annoys me to no end when I uncover these lies in, in mainstream media. Well, it kind of ties into our first story. Um, man, this, it really bothers me, this, this particular story, because they've shown their cards now what mm -hmm. it is that they think is enough and that's the federal task force has recommended reducing the number of inmates by 60,000 in 10 years a mere 60,000 in 10 years and they're calling this crisis that this is what we got to do it's so important we got to get rid of 60,000 we got to lower it by 60,000 not today over 10 years Listen, here on New Abolitionist Radio, we've reported on cases that have shown, like Annie Dukin in Massachusetts and DeKalb County uh, Court in Tickety and Scheme, and many, many others that have shown where there's over 60,000 innocent people in prisons right now, right now, with the debtors' prisons, with the Tickety and Scheme, with the Ferguson report, and the way people are being arrested where there's only 11,000 in the city, but they've got 33,000 arrest warrants. Uh, so this shows you that it's far more than 60,000 of the 24 million who go through all of our justice system processes every year. Mm -hmm. Far more than 60,000. So this is really just, it's nothing. It's a smack in our face. Basically saying, you know what? Y'all are so wrong. All you Negroes are criminals and deserve to stay there. This little few right here, little few over the next 10 years we're going to let go. But the rest of y'all, and you know they ain't even going to do that, Scotty. You know by they, the time the 10 years yeah. is done, they'll have more prisoners, especially if we get somebody like Trump or Clinton in, in office. Yeah. So I, I, should I read a few uh, uh, comments? Yeah, well, let, let me say this before you read a few. Uh, uh, and um, I'm going to go ahead and unless you've done it already, I'm going to go ahead and sh share it on our uh, new abolitionist radio it, Facebook. It's there already. Page. Okay, yeah, it's, it's there, there already. already. Let me say this, though. This goes back to something I've said consistently, that it ain't about no Republican. It ain't about no Democrat. It ain't about, oh, he's a black a president it ain't about a woman president it's about right and wrong it's about justice 
It's about injustice. Okay. And, and so this is a perfect example of a bipartisan shenanigans that go on in Congress. This is, this is what reform looks like. This isn't abolition. This is reform. So I, I just wanted to point that out is that we have to uh, mentally pull ourselves back from identity politics and just base and just judge things based on the merits, based on the facts. And the fact is, is that it has always been a two party corrupt system in this country and, and both parties work work together to, to enslave people. Go ahead, Max. All right, I don't know if I'll read the whole thing. I'm just going to read a little bit out of it here. You can find it on New Abolitionist Radio. And basically it says, a new report from the Charles Colson Task Force of Federal Corrections found that punitive mandatory minimum sentences for drug crimes represent the primary driver of prison overcrowding. The report recommends that uh, they be reserved for the most violent offenders. The report said almost 80% of inmates convicted of drug crimes had no prior criminal history, and it urged Congress to create a path for prisoners who served more than 15 years to apply for a shorter sentence by giving judges a second look at their cases. Look, look, let, can, can I stop you right there? See, this is the bullshit that they be doing, and y'all excuse my language, but I, I just get agitated, man. I'm tired of containing myself and being civil, all right? This is, this is the BS. The, pre the executive officer of the executive branch of the United States government could pardon or commute the sentence of every last single one of these individuals that they have identified as should not be there. And I would even go further to say if you went there for a nonviolent drug crime, you didn't commit a crime against any. I don't care if they said People can't have cocaine or people can't have weed. Who are these damn people to be telling us that stuff when they are facilitating drug trafficking on a global scale? Okay. And, and so if you are in there for what I call a victimless crime between, you know, uh, 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 um, whether it is transactions between consenting adults and I'm not just talking about drugs. Okay. I don't think you belong there. And so this is the garbage that I'm talking about, man, about the reform garbage. We need abolitionism, all right? Abolish those drug laws that are unconstitutional in the first place. And, and then, you know, why do these people have to go through all the red tape, okay? And then what? They got to hire lawyers and whatnot, you know, spend money to apply for a new sentencing trial through. Come on, man. I'm sick and tired of this. Why don't the president just go ahead and issue a pardon and a, and a commutation for all these individuals they've identified? Why, that would seem a simple way to do it, man. If you really trying to let some folks go. Indeed. Uh, our friends from Decarcerate the Garden State pointed out that it seems to them that this is really an opportunity for the justice system to create more jobs for themselves. Yeah. That's really what it is. That sounds, that report, sounds about right. So the report also urges more oversight and resources for the Federal Bureau of Prisons and for programs that return inmates to their communities and foster bonds with their families. So, yeah, they're looking to start creating more job descriptions in order for them to keep this thing going. Another thing. Nothing. 
What, 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 what you mentioned, they want to create an easier pathway. Isn't there a bill we talked about on this program called the Redeem Act that was introduced by Cory Booker and Senator Rand Paul uh, that would, uh, 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 what would it do? It would uh, remove the felony status from these people that's coming out that is used to put them right. in the permanent second class citizen status, to, uh, provides for legal discrimination against them in, in, in employment, in housing, in being able to access the social safety net. Okay. So, uh, yeah. What about, what ha where's that bill at? Why ain't the task force includes that? Why they didn't recommend that Congress immediately push through the Redeem Act that was introduced last year by Cory Booker. And see these people playing games, man. They playing games, Max. Well, it ain't game to us. Our lives are on the line, and we're losing them day in and day out in every way, shape, and form. You know, uh, it's just terrible. It's terrible to see things where people just don't care because of the words prison in jail. Why the jails in Flint, for instance, right now in Genesee County in Flint, is still pumping lead into their cells and using lead-laced water while everybody around them is getting free water. and Everybody's still concerned about the community, but nobody's thinking about that jail. And as of 2015, October, they said there's no plan to get any water for the prisoners in the jail. See there? So I guess That's messed up, man. It's a form of genocide. You're talking about 600 people being exposed to toxic chemicals on purpose. Then we're talking about a jail. Don't want to switch. We're talking about a jail. I think you pointed this out at some point, Max, about, yeah. uh, you know, some of these people ain't been convicted of no crimes. Not even if they were. There is no excuse to be purposely poisoning them. This is an act of murder. This is premeditated because it's now widely acknowledged that this is poison water. So why in the hell is the jail allowed to to keep pumping in this water and, and you know, allowing the prisoners to use that? You know, and, and so, I mean, man, I was in the military. All they got to do is pull up one of them big giant water tanks. You know what I'm saying? Potable water tanks it, it's just sickening to me man and and very few people are even bringing attention to the fact yeah there was a couple of articles written about it and we thank those people who who exposed this but i haven't heard this on mainstream corporate media i haven't heard this on six o'clock news tonight i haven't heard this from virtually anybody outside of the people in my circle terrible thing brother to think that in 2015 50% of all drug arrests were over marijuana. Every 42 seconds in 2012, somebody was getting arrested for weed. In the meantime, states are selling it uh, for recreational use. And you got these white people making billions. And then all those new businesses that have been created mm -hmm. for the legalization of marijuana, there is exactly one black female-owned business. One. Meanwhile, all these brown, black bodies all over the country still being arrested, still sitting in prison behind marijuana law. Yeah, anybody that's in one of those states that have legalized cannabis, man, it shouldn't be nobody in jail, sitting up in jail or on state charges for something you have legalized. You need to let them people go. But again, man, this is why I try to tell people, you know, that, that slavery has always been one of the main pillars of the U.S. capitalist economy. And, and it remains so to this day. 
That is why they ain't trying to let those 60,000 people go that they identified. And, and I'm sure the number are mu is much larger than, than that. But they ain't even trying to over 10 years. Come on, man. Over 10 years. If you will, the reason that you want to drag it out is like Max said. Not only do you want to maintain the jobs in the slave system that you got right now, but you want to create new ones. And then all under the guise of like you're doing the right thing. No, you're, you're bullshitting is what you're doing. Amen to that. <clears throat> straight up and straight down. You're bullshitting. So we denounced it. And we call this a fraud. And we call it a smack in the face of free people everywhere. Talking about how you're going to release 60,000 people out of 24 million annually that go through this system. Are you out of your damn mind? Really? That's where you want to start at? Negotiations is over. We're going to break up the table. Mm -mm. Well, that'll take us to our next story, I guess. Uh, Scotty, if you want to uh, bring this one in. Yeah, let's, uh, take, let's take a break. But also, we wanted to let you know, if you want to comment on any other stories, um, please feel free to give us a call, 641-715-3660. The participant code is 549-032-POUND. Hit star 6 and 1. Again, that is uh, 641-715-3660. The participant code is 549-032-POUND. And then just hit star 6 and 1 if you would like to comment. Um, so uh, let's go ahead and take our break, and then we'll uh, jump to this uh, next story. Sounds like a plan. You're listening to New Abolitionist Radio with Scotty Reed, Max Park. We'll be right back. You are tuned in to the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts and live program scheduling, visit us on the web at blacktalkradionetwork.com. Peace. Welcome back to New Abolitionist Radio. Um, our next story is coming up is going to be an op-ed written by the President of the United States in the Washington Post regarding the uh, practice placing juveniles into solitary confinement. Uh, if this also comes in conflict with a new ruling from the U.S. Supreme Court on life sentences for juveniles, Scotty Reed is going to, uh, I guess, read some of it and give us his perspective, and I'll add mine after. Yeah, this is um, something that I talked about on uh, Black Talk Radio News the other day uh, when this news first uh, came out. Um, I'm gonna pull up the Washington Post, but it has a habit of, of freezing up on me, man. I don't know if it's just me or if it's them, but it just has a. Anyway, President Obama, the chief executive officer of the executive branch of USA Inc., wrote an op-ed piece that was published in the Washington Post, and then he uses the example of 16-year-old uh, Khalif Browder, uh, may he rest in power. Um, who in 2010 was accused of stealing a backpack, and which he actually didn't. And then he sat in Rikers Island uh, uh, jail, which is also a prison, ain't it? it doesn't it do double as yeah. a jail and prison? So he was sent to Rikers Island to await trial. Uh, where, with adults. Excuse me? With adults. Yeah, with adults, where, where uh, he reportedly endured unspeakable violence at the hands of inmates and guards and then he spent new, nearly two years in solitary confinement uh, so-called to protect him from what from what I read okay 
So anyway, that's the backdrop. That's the story that he used to introduce his executive order. I keep telling I've been that's my favorite word of the year. That's gonna be my favorite word. Executive order. Cause a lot of people just don't know or don't realize just how much power the executive officer, the chief executive officer of the executive branch of USA government has over federal prisons and, and, and jails and whatnot. And so he, he, he told this sad story to um, then, you know, he shared factual information. He said that there are as many as 100,000 people held in solitary confinement in the United States, in U.S. prisons, including juveniles and people with mental illnesses. Um, it says he wrote that as many as 25,000 inmates are serving months even years of their sentences alone in a tiny cell with almost no human uh, contact. Uh, guess what, Mr. President? It's even longer than that. How about decades? Okay, how about four decades? Okay, yes. and, and so anyway, research, he says research suggests, no, it does not suggest, it shows that solitary confinement leads to not has the potential to see that's why you had to pay attention to words okay max you see where i'm coming from that man yes sir yeah research does not suggest mr president research shows that solitary confinement does not have the potential but it does lead to devastating lasting psychological consequences it has been linked to depression alienation withdrawal a reduced ability to interact with others and the potential for violent behavior. Some studies indicate that it can worsen existing mental illnesses and even trigger new ones. Prisoners in solitary are more likely to commit suicide, especially juveniles and people with mental illnesses. So I'm going to keep jumping down because, you know, man, uh, words, words, buckets, buckets, buckets of words. As justice would say on the cows, uh, he talks about last summer he directed Attorney General Loretta E. Lynch uh, at the Justice Department to review the overuse of solitary confinement across U.S. prison. She, he says that they found that there are circumstances when solitary is a necessary tool, such as when certain prisoners must be isolated for their own protection. And, and then, this is why I said the other day, so dude, this is what they're telling you, all right? This is what you're telling us, that you need to torture us for our own protection. That's what, because solitary is recognized by the international community, by the medical community, as torture. All right. As torture. And I even talked about the historical connections of solitary confinement to slavery, separating the rebellious slaves from the passive slaves. Don't want to get them other slaves riled up because you know what? They might rebel and they might go Nat Turner on us. You know what I'm saying? So we got to isolate them from away from these other slaves, okay? And, and and so, you know, it's just, man, I'm I'm just listen. I'm going to keep it short. If you want to read the rest of the article, it's been posted to New Abolitionist Radio. All right. He has shown some of his power, all right, as the executive officer over the federal uh uh government, the uh executive branch of the government. All right. He has issued an executive order saying that it shouldn't be used against. Let me let me scroll down. Let me use his uh, uh 
reforming okay again here we are with this reform bullshit alright reforming solitary confinement is just one part of a broader bipartisan push for criminal justice reform how about not reforming solitary confinement since it is a consensus that it is a form of torture and you just told us the irreparable damage that it causes to people so how about we abolish solitary confinement okay instead of reforming torture why don't we just abolish torture um you know then he goes on to make the case of how much more it costs to keep a prisoner in solitary confinement and we've talked about this on on this program because some people you know they're not going to be moved by well, these people are being enslaved and they shouldn't even be there, let alone be tortured in a tiny cell all by their lonesome 23 hours a day with no human contact. And, and sometimes they don't even, you know, turn off the light. I mean, just man. And, 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 and so, you know, um, some people ain't moved by that. But then when you some people are moved by how much it costs. So we got to tell them it, it costs more to put somebody in solitary confinement than to have them in the general population. So since you don't care about people, maybe you care about all the money that's being wasted. But I would submit to you that if we stop practicing slavery, the taxpayers will save, uh, save I don't know how many trillions, you know. Uh, so, again, Max, this is just more reform garbage. And it's not abolitionism. Am I happy that one less child, perhaps, okay, because, you know, this is coming off like recommendations, you know, like they recommended that all police departments report uh, how many people they kill. I did, but we're not requiring you. We just recommend. So I don't know, man, uh, how much faith we can put into this that is going to stop it or do anything to stop it. Okay, because we know at these prisons and jails, man, they do what the heck they want to do, you know. So I'm, I'm, this is just more reform stuff. I'm happy that he did this. He issued this executive order, but it falls way short. It falls way short. Not on, not only should juveniles not be in 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 adult prisons, okay. Not only should they not be subjected to the torture of solitary confinement. But no one, I don't care what their age is, should be subjected to solitary confinement. All right, we some smart people. We supposed to be the smartest people on the planet. I'm sure we can figure out how to deal with people uh, uh, who break some rules or whatever without torturing them. Come on, we can come up with, we smart people now. We can come up with some kind of way that we can address whatever it is their issue is without torturing them. And certainly we can protect people without torturing them. Come on now, Max. Well, there's uh, several aspects of this and I want to try to address. And just history. just briefly, Max, we got Johan, and Johan is joining us now. Peace and welcome, Johan. Good to have you back, Peace, man. peace. Yeah, there's a few parts that I want to touch on. First of all, when he said, we believe that when people make mistakes, they deserve the opportunity to remake their lives. I get the feeling he was talking about the people who are actually doing these crimes to us, like they've only made some mistakes. We need to remake their lives, you know, so let's do this reform instead of sending them to prison for torture, for, for murder, for slavery. Let's let them have another chance. That's what I'm feeling on there. Further... What about this thing called solitary confinement? It has a history. 
It began back in 1790 with the Walnut Street Jail in Philadelphia built in 1773, but expanded later under a state act by the Quakers. And it was the first institution in the United States designed to punish and rehabilitate criminals. And it's considered the birthplace of modern prison, our modern prison system. The Quakers, the people who fought for slavery, thought this was an answer. They could not have been more wrong. And we've been practicing it since 1790, this uh, isolation and this torture, to the point where we have people who have spent 40 full years in isolation, only to be released days before dying. And we're talking about Herman Wallace, for example, and he's not the only one who has been existing in this torture. Now, the president is talking about with children, and particularly he used one child's name, Khalif Brown. But he didn't impress upon you exactly what happened to Khalif Brown. What happened to him? He was a 16-year-old boy. He was hunted, profiled by police. He was falsely accused. He was held without charges or representation for three full years. He was abused by guards, which is on video, and put into a prison with adults, with real killers, real rapists, real psychopaths who break bread with tax dodgers and people who couldn't afford to pay pass-through tickets or back child support. The world of prison, where you can be forgotten long before anyone ever even knew if you were guilty or not. You can be in the heart of a poison city like Flint with celebrity bottom waters by the millions and still be drinking lead in the Flint jail. That kind of prison. This is Rikers Island. They sent a child to. And then when he got out, after all of this abuse, potentially being molested, seeing these things that were a fact that occurred, not might have occurred or seemed to have occurred, but were on video, done to this innocent child, he took his own life. Now you're talking about PST. D on steroids, and this happens every day, all day long. There are children in these prisons right now experiencing more than solitary confinement. Some of them have passed around as sex slaves, and this is what we do for profit in America. If you can't address that for-profit aspect of suffering and people getting paid for suffering, then I really don't want to hear much of anything else you've got to say. And again, this doesn't ban the practice of solitary confinement on children or adults, it only limits it, meaning that we still think this is okay to a degree. Back in 2013, we published a report that came out about the jails, uh, the prison system of Mississippi, which had saw a 17% increase in the use of solitary confinement. It was discovered that the increase for the use of solitary confinement was directly related to the cost, meaning that if you had someone in the prison system of Mississippi, uh, in general population, they were worth over $40,000. But if you put them into solitary confinement, the cost of maintaining them went up to over $70,000, and they were exploiting that. Another question, and I do see we do have a caller, but I want to give Johanan an opportunity caller. Um, uh, please bear with us. And, and here is something else uh, I just want y'all to consider. What, what Does this apply to the federal prisoners in Croatian Corporation, private prisons, or, or uh, GEO Group? Does it apply to them? Because I don't see that it does. So that's a question I still have. Johanna? <clears throat> well, I mean, uh, obviously you two are, are 
driving the point home and uh, breaking this down for people that I guess uh, you know outside of the abolitionist uh, movement itself, uh, people that are involved in these types of activism and, and care and study this, you know, to kind of gloss over these things. So hopefully people are listening and understand that you know it goes deeper than rhetoric. Um, unfortunately, that is what people are trained, you know, to accept. Though I mean, to 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 live within this system, people are trained to accept the system. They don't want to resist. The system, no matter how many times you point out, like you said, all these are words and these different words even have specific meanings that really don't address what the title of <laughs> of his of his op ed is even talking about. So, I mean, it's a lot of uh, double speak and trignology and, and what have you. I just uh, uh, refer to the actual report itself from the Justice Department and uh, talking about, you know, their uh, their reports guiding principles, including you know, uh, how inmates should be housed in the least restrictive settings necessary. Um, that's already on the books. That's already a part of policy, state and federal policy. Uh, I'm not 100% sure on private prisons, but, you know. The policy be, that uh, they're ignoring, right? See? Well, See? yeah. That's exactly. what I was talking exactly. about. Exactly. That's already in place, but it's not enforced. They don't, uh, correctional systems should always be able to clearly articulate the specific reasons for an inmate's placement and retention in restrictive housing. Already in place, already ignored, <laughs> already, already, you know, ran right over and ran through so they could do what they want to do. Restrictive housing should always serve as a, serve for a specific penological purpose. There's always should be some purpose that you can justify why you're putting the person there as according to penology, to penological science. So the people that are, that are the experts that have said this, this, and this, you know, A plus B equals C, so do it this way. They already do that, and it doesn't have to equal out to what they're saying it will. They just have to give the justification. So basically, this is just uh, uh, like covering the ass to, to put these, these words and these titles out here. An inmate's initial and ongoing placement in restrictive housing should be regularly reviewed by multidisciplinary staff committee. This is already in place. You already have committees. You already have groups of people that come together. One of the groups that they refer to for their um, how they're going how they're going to decide what to do is a group uh, uh, the treatment advocacy advocacy center. This is one of the groups that uh, gave us some of the numbers on the mentally ill, like you talked about with the children and the mentally ill. There's a, a report that they put out that was telling us in 2014 is 36,000 roughly uh, people in mental ill state prisons across the country. 36,000 in mentally Ill, in mental institutions uh, run by the state across the country and over 360,000 mentally ill individuals in prisons in America. They told us this themselves, these people that are part of their multidisciplinary staffs. But the people that give us the reports and make up the staff, listen to some of their titles of what they do. The person that created uh, this, this foundation is a part of this staff. Now he is a medical doctor. Okay, I'll give you that. Uh, e. Fuller Tory, MD. There's another lady that's an attorney, Mary Zandowitz. She's an attorney, mental health law attorney. Okay, keep going down the list, though. Sheriff, Aaron D. Kennard, retired. <laughs> National Sheriff's Association, executive director. Uh, another one on here, Donald F. Eislinger, sheriff, Seminole County, Florida, one of the worst violators on the planet in Florida. What they doing? Uh, Seminole County, all throughout Florida, one of the greatest private prison states in America with the Geo Group Hub there. They almost privatized all the prisons in the entire state. Uh, another one on the list, Michael Blas Blas Biazzotti, Chief of Police, New Windsor, New York. I mean, this is the multi, 
staff, this is the this is the multidiscipline uh, staffs that make decisions about you know the the treatment of people in these kind of conditions when like you said this is already violating the eighth amendment this is already an international human rights crisis already been listed as being illegal a violation of people's human rights so these are the people that are that are administrating it they're cops and sheriffs and people in law enforcement i mean this is not a step ahead in my opinion really in anything more than rhetoric yeah this that's all it is it's lip service it's, look i released one person yay you know like the 94 they released it, the 64. We're talking about 24 million people going through this system every year. We're talking about uh, tw 14, almost 14 million just going through the jails. We're talking about just 2.5 million sitting in prison. Come on now. you got to have more zeros attached to it than that for us to be saying yay and exactly. clapping and applauding. Exactly. Right. And I'm going to go to our caller, but let me say this. I've been seeing people, even within our group, um, move to abolish 21st century slavery, heralding this as if it is a major step forward. And it's not. I'm not angry with you. I'm not coming down on you because perhaps you don't have all the information. Perhaps you're new to abolitionists. But, you know, that's just why I love Max and, and Johannes so much. Johannes just told you what the actual report said, and then he showed you how this is already policy. So and they're violating this pot. So he ain't doing nothing new. They're, all this tells us is that you know we heard all of you people out there complaining and 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 concerned about this issue. So we're going. I'm the president. I'm gonna issue this executive order. Well, damn, dude, it's already policy. Okay, right. you ain't telling me about any any kind of penalties to those individuals working at these prisons who violate what's already policy where are where are the prosecutions for to man don't get me started let me go to this caller area code uh 405 thank you for being patient go ahead with your question or comment so uh, good evening brothers um man look i, I don't know if you guys i'm sure Scott, you say you've never been through this but uh, I, let's say I got a very close friend that's been through this. Everything that you've been describing has been through this. Mm -hmm. And from the from the gate, it was an unconstitutional conviction, was sent to prison, right? Was placed in prison at a very young age. They say that the human brain doesn't really mature until 26 years old right. pretty much. Right. Mm -hmm. Um. I was at the age, or, or he was at the age of, uh, 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 you know, 19 going into 20. So, you know, this experience, you know, and I'm just, if, can I get like maybe four minutes to just tell a quick story? Sure. Okay. So, okay, no sugar coating. I'm sorry, my language. Me and this, me and this guy, we, we start this journey together, man. And I mean, we cool people, man, and we start this journey. They first take you in and then they evaluate you. They assess you and they say, okay, how can we use this soldier? Is he going to be a gladiator? Is he going to be a worker? Is he going to be a stooge? Is he going to be a proxy? Whatever. They're going to evaluate you. And then once they evaluate you, they send you on your journey. So we get me and this guy gets to where we going. And it's not a maximum security. It, it's minimum, but it's still a straight up slave form. The first night we get there, me and this guy have nothing. 
you have nothing. And he immediately starts begging. Like, you know, man, can I get this? Can I get that? Man, I'll pay you when my money gets on and all of this stuff. And I say, brother, man, don't do that, man. Don't do not do that, man. We'll find a way. We'll figure it out, man. Just go hungry tonight. Man, I got to get okay. So what? Anyway, the next day, the brother say, man, I, I need to uh, holler at you on the side, man. You know, don't worry about what I gave. And I'm saying this all to say is this is a culture that has been bred, inbred in our people. He say, man, look, man, let me get that Snickers bar, man, that I gave you. He say, man, you know I ate that, man. I, you saw me eat it. He say, well, too, you know, well, then we work it out another way. He said, no, nah, I don't do that, brother. He say, well, I'm going to need to get that out of you one way or the other. And, you know, the prison rape, that shit is real. I'm I'm sorry, I don't mean to be cussing, man. I'm passionate right now. It's hard not to, I understand. That stuff is real. So this guy, he, you know, he paid the price. He paid the ultimate price because, you know, he didn't know any better. Hmm. But it's a culture. So now the next day, I can no longer, this is my friend. I mean, you know, this, me and this guy created a bond through our journey. We've never been through this journey. But I can no longer associate myself with him unless I wanted harm to come my way. So, make a, make a long story short. So, this guy was, he was, you know, basically, he, he was ruined. And, and it does that to so many of our men. He was not like that. But they broke him and they, they have mottos like, you know, well, you didn't bring nothing out of him that he didn't have already. And that's BS. Yeah, yeah. That's nonsense. And that's the culture that they teach and preach in that system. So anyway, they had me working on an onion farm. Man, I had a bag of onions. I'm talking about individual onions. And I was getting paid 36 cents an hour. This was in 92. And you literally stand there. And you bend over six inches, six inches, and the slave masters is over there, six inches. It's some real slave stuff. And there was this guy, Bob, Bob something, Bob, um, he manufactured brushes, all kinds of things. Bob Barker. Bob Barker. Yep, yep, Bob right. Barker had everything on lock, man. Everything was Bob Barker. We made everything. We built a gun tower. And I say, damn. They you out here in South Carolina? No, sir. This was in Denver, Colorado. Wow, because Bob Barker owns it here in South Carolina, too. Man, Bob Barker owns it all, a, a whole lot of stuff. Bob Barker. Is that the guy from the gang show or something? Like from no, it's the same name, though. But no. Oh, okay, okay, okay. But anyway, we on this onion farm. We built a gun tower. And these are professions that, man, people get paid. Like in New York City, a friend of mine is making $32 an hour to do construction. A union oh, job. Yeah, and and they paid us thirty six cents an hour. People were getting stabbed. People were getting beat up behind suits, behind thirty five cent suits. That yep. means a lot, and it's it's sure. a perpetual, man. It's 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 so bad, man. And and you guys are talking. Okay, so the the solitary confinement thing. I'm trying to just keep it moving. Solitary confinement, man. You know, for some reason, I just been through what I've been through. And I just know how to be okay with my situation. You know, long as it's not an immediate threat, I can deal with it. Man, I hear them people. I mean, youngins, man, like 18, 17-year-olds, just now getting their beards and stuff. They got dirty mustaches. And we was in solitary confinement. 
um, man, them, I mean, to hear the moans and the cries. I mean, it gets to the point where they're smearing feces on their face. Drives you mad? On their, they, they want attention. They just, they, they go crazy, man. I'm telling you, man, that stuff is real, 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 man. It's not a joke, and it's, it's to the point where I have literally selected, unselected most of that stuff out of my memory. Like, you know, some people proud to say, my prison number is so-and-so and so-and-so. If it was between my child and my life and that prison number, I could not recite that prison number. I, I don't remember it. I, ne- I, don't, I still remember the smell. I never want to see it again, go through it again. But that's how it's taken fun. I've seen youngins literally go crazy, man. Go crazy, literally. They were not that way before. My- my mm-hmm. son spent 18 months straight in solitary confinement to the point where he had bed sores. And this uh, also and that's the thing that affects you for life. And, and this well, also you, speaks to you entitled to post traumatic post traumatic syndrome. That's that's traumatic. They they are creating a public danger. Yes, they are. They are creating a public danger, and I, and I do believe that once you have served your time, all of your rights should be restored even though i don't look to the constitution i don't look to these people in washington dc to define what my human rights are all right that was given to me by simply being born all right um but they are creating this is this is how why also plays into repeat offenders because you're crazy you didn't went crazy you're violent now. You 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 dealing with a whole lot of demons and whatnot, and so you liable to flip out on somebody. And, and what? So did man? These people are are knowingly putting the public at danger by putting people into solitary confinement. That that's all I wanted to say. But I hey, okay. hey big ups to before you, man. I get for, off the phone, before I get off the phone, y'all, I just wanted to say this. When I left, when I came in there, I was fly. When they sent me with my little bag, my little little clear bag. I had on a, uh, some too short church pants with my prison boots and a pink ass button up shirt. And I looked crazy. And everybody, and they gave me a bus ticket and $200. I had money on the books, but I couldn't get that released to me for six weeks. But they send you out there hoping that you will be desperate. And, 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 and I'll never forget this. When I was leaving on the little, they take you in a little van. And when you're leaving out, it says, see you soon. And you think hmm. I'm playing. It says, see you hmm. soon. So the recidivism rate is, they expect that. It's a system, man. They so, built you know, it. It's built into the system. Yeah. I'm, right. Yeah. They're just putting you into another oh, cage where the other officers can collect you again and bring you back. Yeah, like they just talked about last week, how we talked about on the program last week, what they call it, a, a fresh dip, or what was they calling it, where they give you a little quick taste dip. of it. Yeah, quick, quick dip. Yeah, quick dip. A quick dip, but you have to understand that these, these correctional, these overseers, these slave overseers, are just as institutionalized as the prisoners. Right. Yeah. They have fell into that culture, and, and it, it's horrible, man. It's a horrible life, man, and I'm telling you, I can still remember the smell. And everything, man. I'm telling you the things, the little infractions that um, a, a person can do. The a black love for a black man, love for a person is not. It's not void. And there, it's doggy dog, and 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 that's a culture that has been purposely implemented 
and it's horrible, man. Now, Scotty, man, you know I don't usually talk like this, but man, I'm pissed. I'm almost like in tears, bro. Well, oh, man, brother, we, we want to thank you for calling in and sharing your story, and we're glad you're listening and spreading the word and sharing your testimony on what's going on here in the United States, man. Uh, Peace, I do wanna, brother. I do want to say one more thing about this particular story with the youth confinement, the solitary confinement, uh, and then we'll head up for our break and come back on the other side with a, an admission by a police officer to teenagers as to exactly what they're doing. But there's a story that's out from truthout.org by Alan Mills where he says, Obama banned solitary for juveniles, blared yesterday's headlines, but as usual, the mainstream press missed the real story. President Obama did issue an executive order banning solitary confinement for juveniles in the federal system, and journalists can't really be blamed for missing the real story. As Obama wrote an op-ed which led the story of a 16-year-old police router who committed suicide after being held in solitary at Rikers Island Prison in New York City. However, the fact is, according to the U.S. Department of Justice, there are just 45 juveniles housed in federal prisons, only 13 of whom who are in solitary. Ironically, the federal government does have jurisdiction over thousands of children, many of whom who are held in isolation, but they are held in immigration detention centers, which appears to be excluded from the executive order. All right. Um, before before we go on, let me clear the uh, Q and A queue is cleared. The uh, caller's queue. Um, you still unmuted, Max. You still unmuted, uh, Johanna. Okay, yeah, I got y'all. All right. Um, again, if anybody has any questions or comments, please hit star six and one at any time. We'll bring you in. I, I just want to say to the brother, man, you almost had me in tears, man. You know. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm glad that you survived that situation. I hate that it happened to you, and it just it, it just tells me that I'm on the right path in terms of my abolitionism, and we need to hear those stories and you know people talk about 12 years of slave and, and whatnot and we always want to look at slavery in past tense and horror horrors of slavery in past tense through movies and whatnot but look this stuff is going on today all right it's real all right it's horrifying and it should not be and we just got personal testimony from a person who was enslaved in, in this country and, and, and treated like a slave, treated just like a slave because that's what he was while he was in there in, in that system. And this is why we say, you know, we need to stop trying to compare things to slavery when we got real slavery. Oh, yeah. Student debt is a big problem. Those people in a bad situation. But guess what? They ain't slaves. All right. So let's stop using metaphors to describe something, because to me, that's an insult to people yeah. like that brother we just heard from. So that's all I wanted to say. Sure, you're right, Scotty. Um, Scotty, we're going to take our break, and when we come back, if you could have that video about the shock video world's worst cop uh, ready for us, we're going to go right into that after we come back. Okay. Yeah, appreciate it. You're listening to New Abolitionist Radio with Johanna and Elias, Scotty Reed, Max Parsons. We're talking about modern-day slavery and human trafficking. The real deal. We'll be right back. Are you searching for the best in online black radio? Then go to blacktalkradionetwork.com, helping you filter through the noise. Real talk, black talk.
and we're back. Max, I'm just waiting on this video to load. Okay, no problem at all. Uh, I think the video will basically speak for itself. Just keep in mind that this officer is talking to two teenagers uh, when he stops. The title uh, of this video is Kennewick Police Officer and Omar Confrontation. I got to check one on one, too. I think you're in violation of the internet. I get all my... This is the last day of the month. I get every stat I needed tonight. It's up to you guys. So you guys are going to make quota, huh? I'll explain what that means. Last two words. First word, Lopez. Second word, a Baraka. Adam Boy, Adam Robert, Charles Adams, Miguel, Middle East. You can. 1995 have We don't have a quota. We have expectations. And what that means is you will make so many arrests a month. You should write so many tickets a month. And you should call so many dumbasses to jail a month. If we're going to pay you a hundred grand a year, then we should expect something back from you, shouldn't we? Right? Yeah. So yeah, would you like to be part of my quota tonight? Uh, on what grounds? On what grounds? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I'll think of something. <laughs> How about right. aiding and abetting reckless driving? Fair enough. There's so lots of money on Better wipe that smile off your face, brother. I'll show you. There's lots of money on Very nice. Now, let me tell you what the difference between being a dumbass and being a smart guy is. You sit there with the shitty grin on your face. Let's see your ID. All right. Now, I wasn't even going to ask. No, it's cool. It's fair enough. I got clean records. Yeah, but you know what? I'm the guy that can make that record look good. So be smart. Have a seat. Be smart. Be respectful. Don't be a dumbass. I'm just grinning because I'm nervous. Damn, just shut up and listen. I'm trying to help you. Look at me. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to keep you out of jail. I'm trying to help you. You're saying you can you saying you can make his own record dirty. I'm listening. Shut up, dog. You gotta listen. He's got some brains. Because he realized that things could go bad here. But he realized that. But you gotta sit there with a shitty grin on your face. So this is what I would say to you. You are a guy that's gonna end up giving the city a lot of money. You understand that? And with your attitude is gonna it's gonna end up with that. Did you understand that? Yeah. How do you know I'm nervous? I'm like, people laugh. You know what? Shut up! You understand that? Officer, can I get your name? Be quiet. Or you'll have my name all over a police report and you're asked to be on your way to juvie for aiding and abetting. You understand that? And you know what? I didn't give you permission, did I? Did I? Yes, sir. Now, for the purpose of the recording, it's reckless driving. Would you like to go to jail, yes or no? What about you? I'll be right back. Would you like some more attention here? That's it.
you are a guy that's going to end up giving the city a lot of money. What he said. <laughs> now, this is more than just a single officer admitting to children how oppressive they are and what it is they're exactly doing. This is testimony on behalf of the entire police forces across America. That's what it is. He's telling you exactly what their roles are, what they're out to do, and how they do it. You don't have to believe us. They're telling you, they're telling your children what they're going to do. Mm-mm-mm. See, in, 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 I'm, I'm sorry, go ahead, Johanna. I was just going to say, I don't understand how people know what it takes and how rare it is in this country to have a $100,000 a year job. I don't I don't understand how easily the average person writes off the fact that so many of these law enforcement and law enforcement related and uh, court related and prosecutors office related and whatever then let alone the political positions uh all generate these kind of salaries for these people and then think that these people are not going to act against your personal interest to maintain their own personal interest i don't i just it 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 blows my mind like if you go to a, a job and you make a hundred thousand dollars a year you know good and damn well you feel blessed you know you feel like man i know i'm i'm balling i'm 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 above the average person out here i got some special blessings in my life i can do some things i can pay my bills on time i can take my kids to disney i can i can pay my car note i can you know you thinking of the things you can do to feel a little bit of freedom you know that takes a lot of work a lot of sacrifice it takes it just takes a lot for you to get on that level. You know that it does, but then you know that it's a cop somewhere in a lot of jurisdictions around the country that make that kind of money. Why don't you equate the facts with your own facts? You can't just go sit at your job and not produce and get a hundred thousand. You're going to get fired. You can't just go to your job because you got a good smile or because you got a degree or because you know the people and they like you. And you just sit there and bring that hundred thousand. They're gonna be in your ass every day to get a million out of you to justify that hundred thousand they're giving you. So why do you think that cops all over the country are making this kind of money and getting unlimited overtime, plus whatever they can take on the take? Why do you think that such a lucrative position is available to so many people? And then you also say at the same time they don't lie. They don't steal. They don't plant evidence. They don't unjustifiably just straight up murder people. They don't rape. They don't rob. Why do you say that when you know they have to maintain these numbers somehow? You know they have to maintain that salary somehow. Their their livelihoods depend on it. Not only maintaining stability, but growing. They can't afford to release prisoners because it would cost them their job. But you know what else is sad about this, brother? That was Khalif Browder before they took him to Rikers Island. Right. That was it. Right there. Next step, Rikers Island. No charges, no nothing. Framed on every level. Railroaded on every level. Uh, straight to prison. And make some money for the state, like you said. 353000 in New York. 
110 here in, in South Carolina. That, that was their future. And I, it didn't sound to me like these were people with company. And maybe that was the only difference. They sounded like Hispanics to me. I think they were Hispanic, but um, maybe, maybe what I, I don't know why that cop gave him the break that he did. He well, right there, I don't think that he gave him any breaks. I don't think that he gave him any breaks. He was searching for something, and then then he figured out he was being recorded, and so you know um, this again speaks to why it's important for us to defend our rights to record. The federal government has our federal courts have already said it's a person's First Amendment right to record these police officers, and even regardless of that ruling, we still got states with politicians trying to introduce bills to prevent you from recording what do they have to hide what do they have to hide and 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 so but man as i was sitting here and i know the the listeners couldn't see it this one this is a big fat cop i like to catch him in a dark alley and beat his bullying ass because he's a bully that's how you talk to kids man those kids i didn't hear him being disrespectful or anything no, towards him. No. No, he called him out because the kid had a shit-eating grin. He just kept on calling out because the kid wasn't. Did you want him to shit his pants and sit up there with tears and, oh, please, sir, don't kill us. Please, just don't. One of them was crying. I heard one of them crying and sniffling. That's the one he said was smart. You know, he Mm. see, he gets it. He's over there shaking in his boots and and crying like a baby. He gets it, you know. This is how you should be acting. These are freaking bullies, man. These are bullies. These are criminals. These are psychopaths, sociopaths, whatever the proper terminology is, man. And and this is just, this is the norm. This isn't an aberration. This is the norm, man. This is why I don't have respect for cops. The only cops I respect are whistleblowers. Those are the only ones I got respect for. You know, and I ain't trying to say every cop out there dirty, but your job is dirty. Your it's job is dirty. Examples. Far too many examples. There's a conclusion to this, too, in case you want to be, uh, make uh, our listeners aware of the summary of what occurred since. In Kennewick, uh, the Kennewick police were made aware late last week of the video of their officer at that traffic stop interact, interacting with the driver and passenger. One of the citizens present at the traffic stop was recording the officer. Since being made aware of the video, the Kenwick Police Department initiated an internal investigation of the officer involved in the incident. The video was posted on social media, and we have viewed the video. The officer involved is positively identified as Glenn Ball. He's a 21-year that We've probably been doing that every one of those 21 years of the Kenwick Police he is still on active duty during this investigation. Based on what we have seen in this video, the officer's comments are not consistent with our values, and they're not consistent with our expectations of how our officers should interact with the public. That's all you got to say about admission to crime? <laughs> oh, my God. That's all, it's not consistent with our policy. 21 years, dude. Well, there it is. Any final comments on this one? Man, I'll just say this. Beware of your neighbors, your friends, your coworkers, your church members, your husband, your wife, your family that's around you and, and speaks to you. Beware of people that are allowing 
for this type of thing to go on as long as it don't happen to them personally. Yeah. Well, you heard it here, live and in effect at New Abolitionist Radio. Make sure you tell somebody, share it around. We need to help hold these people responsible. This is proof and evidence. You'll find plenty more in our archives. So, Johanna, do you think uh, you could pull up the story on Darren Rainey so we can give an update on what has occurred with the brother we've been reporting on here for years, uh, Darren Rainey, who was boiled to death, basically, uh, by, by prison guards in Florida, and then made other prisoners clean up the skin that had fallen off of his dead body, covered up the murder, and have literally gotten away with it. Yeah. Sadly, sadly, people, yes, I can pull up the story. This is one that's been on me since this news came out uh, from the Miami-Dade Herald. Uh, I think it was the 21st or 22nd, uh, so a little bit earlier, almost a week ago. Um this is a story, like Max said, that we've been following for a couple of years now and um, was the, the reason why we, we met and uh, were able to have our, our abolitionist brother, George Malincroft, come on the program. He wrote the book about this story. Uh, he actually worked in the prison where Darren Rainey uh, was murdered. Um, the book, uh, Getting Away With Murder, which turned out to the, the title, of course, I mean, I don't even know if you could call it prophetic. I mean, he had to know what we all know. Um, this brother, 50 years old, was being held on a uh, prohibition charge, the war on drugs. 50-year-old, uh, mentally ill man, uh, much like so many of the other stories we reported on, like the brother down in Louisiana that got life in prison for a dime bag, or maybe it was a 20-sack of weed, had been homeless and schizophrenic and on the streets and no help, and like we just told you in the last in the story, uh, two stories ago about thirty-six thousand in state prisons, three hundred sixty thousand in in or in uh, state mental institutions rather, and three hundred sixty thousand in prisons. Uh, this is what America is about. So again, beware of people that are complacent with this type of stuff because this is what our country does. The mentally ill are just being put in prisons where they can be abused, where they can be murdered, which is what happened to this brother. The death of Darren Rainey. A uh, mentally ill inmate thrown in a, into a steaming shower at Dade Correctional Institution in a case that sparked scrutiny on conditions inside Florida's prison system has been ruled accidental. The, the Miami-Dade Medical Examiner's autopsy report completed this week a full four years later. This man died in June of 2012. We only heard about the story two years after it happened. Did we get the report of what was going on? So it takes still another two years for the medical examiner to complete the autopsy. Two report. years. A total of four. He died in 2012, mm -hmm. June. It took until damn near February 2016 to produce a report on what happened to a schizophrenic 50-year-old drug addict. Come on. This is the state, like we've told you on this program before. Florida's had since the year, I think it was 2002, uh, over 2,500 deaths in custody in the, in the state prison system there. In the year 2014, it was over 250 deaths in custody. Many of them have open autopsy reports from the medical examiner, like this brother's was until last week. 
Many of them have gone years without giving any report on what happened. And there's been whistleblowers, people that are inmates in the system or other people like George Malincroft, other in, uh, guards that have left the business altogether, other uh, state politicians that have investigated and gone deeper into this. They had a state a uh, uh, investigation team they put together and that was disbanded as they were bringing out the truth on what was happening. All of them lost their jobs and have no protection. So this is out of control in Florida. Anyway, 2012. Rainy 50 didn't. Did, Rainy, 50 years old, as according to the medical examiner's report, did not suffer any burns anywhere on his body. Investigators could not conclude that the specially rigged shower was excessively hot the day that he collapsed. Sources said the autopsy concluded that corrections officers had no intent to harm Rainey when they kept him in the shower for up to two hours. I mean, what, what, what can we say, man? I don't know if I can express yeah. what I really feel, you know, because, you know, uh, man, I, I have to keep myself codified and under control because I don't want to make yeah. it easy for them to make a slave yeah. out of me. And then I'll be the next Daryl Rainey. But people, I, yeah. I'm just, I'm just, I, I'm begging. I'm, be I'm begging. I'm on my knees. I'm begging. Get involved in abolitionism. Okay. Not reformism. Abolitionism. All right. You need to be talking to your family members about it, your co-workers, whoever will listen, all right, because we need a mass awakening that this isn't mass incarceration. This is a continuation of slavery. All the horrors that are associated with slavery are going on on these prison plantations. Nothing has changed. If anything, it's gotten worse. It's gotten worse. And, and we're talking about, I heard, I heard, um, somebody on Tanya Free and Friends today say something that I thought was profound. And they were talking about, when they be talking about organized crime and whatnot, most people think about the mafia or street gangs or something like that. And he said, no, organized crime is what your government engages in. That was Brother Dave on Tando Radio Show. Who, that that's what he said. That was who it was, and he said that is what is going on with your government. They're involved in organized crime, and certainly right. this case highlights the organization, the collaboration, the conspiracy to cover up the murder of Daryl Rainey. It's pathetic. It's 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 one of the greatest tragedies in my adult life. I mean, and there's been so many. Don't people please don't take that like I'm discounting any of the others <laughs> that we've all been suffering through and trying to recover from. We're all suffering from goddamn post-traumatic stress syndrome. Present traumatic stress syndrome. I mean, seriously, <laughs> thing after issue after issue, it's just blowing our minds. Like it's seriously, I feel like this is, may sound crazy to some, but I swear to you, I feel sometimes like I'm a uh, uh, you know, young teen virgin or something getting turned out. Like, I'm just every day, like, I can't believe what happened. This is something I never knew in life. I'm just getting turned out every time I turn around. This system, this, this, whatever this reality is we living in is blowing my mind. It's, it's, it's corrupting me as a healthy 
happy, sober thinking person. Like I'm losing my ability to be happy and I know my mental health is forever damaged. Like you can't go back from this. We are losing loved ones. It's what a lot of people don't understand. We're not just sitting up here wasting time trying to play around on the internet radio and oh, you just want to talk shit. And you, just, you know what? They, I wish they'd take your dumb ass and put you in there so they could put you in a damn boiling shower. Wash the skin off of your ass. Two hours of boiling water on you and then come back four years later and tell everybody, well, you know, he wasn't really injured. There was nothing really wrong with him. He was okay. Nobody intended on hurting him. The water wasn't really that hot. Even though they dismantled the shower, the same day his body was found, they took that whole shit apart. But they, but now they could say four years later, well, they didn't intend to hurt him, and the, and the, the water wasn't too hot. Every person in earshot has said the man was screaming for two hours. Please, God, make it stop. I'm so sorry. I won't do it again. I'll stop. I'll be good. Please stop. Please stop until he stopped screaming. He was dead. When they went and opened the locked door, his meat was falling off of his bones. He was parbroiled in a, in a shower. And four years later, you will allow the state to come and tell you that this man was not injured? He wasn't burned? They didn't intend to hurt him? What the Justice Department at? Crickets. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, it's hard. I'm like you, Scotty. I'm, I, I'm, I know I flip out on here all the time and and what have you, but I'm not going there. I'm not even going to say it. I'm not even going to say what really is on my mind that should be happening in Florida. I can't. The officers who did this, you know, we talked about what happened in 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 uh, not Rikers in uh in Attica uh, last year. The officers there, the corrections officers there, beat that brother, broke. 13 or 14 bones in his body, threw him down the stairs, beat him up more, tried to throw him in a solitary cell where he died there, and the solitary guard said, hell no, you ain't bringing him down here bleeding and beat up like that. He messed around and die on my watch, and I got to fill out the paperwork. Take his ass to the infirmary. That's the only reason that man survived. And when that finally surfaced, and those three, hey, man, call it what you want. We know about a black man that, that sat on the stand behind killing a, uh, in, an inmate. But these three white dudes, looking like KKK members active, sat there and waited to be offered a deal. And, you know, you just said something right there, because uh, recently the report did come out that mm -hmm. the KKK was a part of the police force in Florida. I think yes, the guards. Of them, including the, the prison guards. Yes, man. Yes, and we have never known the names of these guards. Those ones in Attica, we at least knew their names and they were facing charges. And the day before their trial was to begin, they were offered a deal. And see, we are He's talking about sociopaths here because how do you boil a man to death and then go about the rest of the day or go home to your wife and your children or go to church on Sunday or go take some some classes at the local community college and just act like you a normal fucking person. I'm excuse my language and you a damn you a damn serial killer. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know how Florida 
I just I don't know. I mean, I didn't know when we were reporting on 250 deaths in custody, and then as we continue to report on that, we found out about over 2,000 deaths in custody in the last five to five to eight years. Six so, Department so, of Corrections heads in five years. Mm-hmm. Six different people have been over to the Department of Corrections in a five-year time period. So if you want to be a, a serial killer and not, you know, uh, get arrested and convicted and, and made a new slave yourself, hell, just become a prison overseer. Then you can get away with yeah. all the serial killing you want to. Right. You know, I, I, it's, it's kind of a profound thought to realize that the biggest change in our awareness of police brutality and police killing and injustice has been the advent of the personal recorder, the cell phone, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, these things have always existed, but now we have a window to them where everyone can see them. Clear as day, what was done in the dark comes to light. There aren't really any cell phones in prison. They never got that opportunity. You didn't get a chance to see what's going on there. And what's happening there goes far beyond what's happening with the police. If you think the cops shoot your dad 150 times in the middle of the street right on broad daylight. Imagine what the dudes with no cameras around will do. I don't know, man. I know we're here to report. So, I mean, we we told y'all about it. This is one where you, this is one where the listener, whether it's now live or, you know, in the future podcast listener, this is one that you will know when you hear this, what you're made of as a person. That's all I can tell you. This is the kind of thing right here that will that will let you know what you made of. So don't don't pretend. Don't fool yourself no more. I don't care if you go get ten cats out of a tree, help the old lady cross the street, and you know whatever. You you still ain't shit as a human being if this don't get you on the battlefield. I'm just throwing it out. I don't care what you do. You are not worth a damn as a human being. If something like this, we could tell you all these kind of stories. If something like this. Don't get you up, get you engaged somehow, get you to, to find some kind of way. Become connected to the rest of us. If you can't do it, then you're not you're not you're not a part of us. So you you found out about yourself. I'm not knocking you. I guess it takes all kinds, but just know you ain't like me. You ain't like Max. You ain't like Scotty. You and you're not like us. And this points to the institutional aspect of it as well. Uh, it's not departmental. Can't just say this is one area or just those guys. Every aspect of the system was tried in this one particular case and has mm-hmm. failed. It has shown itself to be corrupt yeah. from the beginning to the end. And the people who have paid the price are the people who are dead. <laughs> mm. I, I don't even know what to make of it, man. We watched the whole right. year with the state fighting within its own political ranks. Right. Did y'all mention did you mention George Mellencrot and and what's going yeah. on with him? Yes. Yeah. He um I haven't talked to him recently. Um the last time I was in touch with him was when he found out that his book was going to be banned from the prison system libraries. So he's got a book on the ban list and he's recently been he's on hard times. You know, he can't get a job. Right. He's been blackballed from all the industry. He's yes. a psychotherapist there at the time and knew what was going on and called out. Yeah. He's a whistleblower by, in any way, shape, and form and deserves yes. some sort of protection. Don't he got a what fundraising going on? 
Um, yes, he does. He does. He does. Can we get that uh, posted to New Abolitionist Radio's Facebook yeah, page? I'll find, it. I'll find it for y'all right oh. quick. Yeah. We're coming up on our half hour mark. Uh, just time for a quick break. And when we come back, we want to move into to show you how all of this boils down to the love of money. You know, <laughs> the love of money and power. Isn't that what Frederick Douglass said? That white people suffer more than anybody else in the world. From this incredible level of money and power. Well, you're listening to New Abolitionist Radio with Johanna and Elijah and Max Clark. We'll be right back. This is Brother Elliot, host of Time for an Awakening, and you're listening to Black Talk Radio Network, new media for the new millennium. Welcome to New Back to New Abolitionist Radio. Uh, next story is coming up is showing you how pervasive this is. In a story in a chart, please follow us in real time, uh, New Abolitionist Radio on Facebook, so you can see the articles that we'll share with you as we speak about them. Max, can and, you uh, try to speak up just a little bit, brother? Yes. I was saying please follow us in real time uh, while we're on the air at New Abolitionist Radio on Facebook so you can review the articles as we share them. Uh, and, and see for yourself. This one comes from the International Business Times, and it says uh, Louisiana, prison capital of the world, hosts biggest U.S. prison convention. New Orleans, the salesman stood outside the prison bus, invited people inside for a brief tour. Those who obliged marveled at the steel containment cages, the bullets, resistant windows, and high-tech onboard surveillance systems. The price tag for such a vehicle, about $580,000. This bus, along with hundreds of other product services, are on display this week at the American Collections Association's annual winter conference in New Orleans. According to the event's organizers, it has become the largest gathering of corrections personnel in the United States. Calling ISIS, calling ISIS. Well, anyway. While the Confederate the, the conference offers several dozen educational workshops and panels about reforming the criminal justice system, the trade show on the convention center floors offers a peek into the sprawling private industry around incarceration. In many ways, it's just like any other trade show. Men and women stand by their company's boots, wearing polo shirts, adorned with their logos, handing out free pens, tote bags, and brochures. Like other conventions, however, this convention is closed to the public, and the customers on the trade show floor are mostly prison wardens, jail officials, and directors from state corrections agencies. The exhibitors are there to make their pitch for a slice of the $80 billion incarceration industry in the United States. The companies aren't the only ones looking to earn money. In many states, sheriffs and wardens manage vastly overcrowding facilities scraping on uh, by our meager budget, and they look to private companies to help pay the bills. They do this in many cases by taking commissions on, rev on revenue from goods sold to inmates. Everything from phone calls and commissary goods to even e-cigarettes. Crossbar, makers of prison safe e-cigarettes, advertise at the ACA on its website. The company notes Crossbar products will help generate revenue 
an increased profit margin necessary to help support your correctional facility in its efforts to continue the operation of various inmate programs. So they are selling the inmate cigarettes in exclusive contracts with the prison. What did uh, Raven Shakatai call it? A captive audience. At the opening reception on Sunday evening across the group of GEO Group, the largest private prison operator in the world, waited, served up Mardi Gras cupcakes, tasso uh, ham macaroni and cheese, and Louisiana pralines, and pecan-encrusted chicken tenders. More than 240 exhibitors from around the country came this year to showcase their wares, spending up to 8600 for a 20 by 20 booth for the three-day event. Besides the prison bus, which is manufactured by Illinois-based motor coach Industries, the products on display included commissary food, restaurant chairs, a restraint chair, workout equipment, a high-tech wand that can locate inmate contraband, handguns, security fences, prison lighting, and naturally locks and handcuffs. There was even one company, D-Drone, that sells drone detection security. You can read the rest of that on New Abolitionist Radio. Now, there's oh another chart that we put in with that, and I want you to look at the two of them together. It shows you, the chart shows you all the people that are getting paid and why these people are having a convention. Because what, as I've said before, if you're a teenager walking through the streets of New York and a policeman puts his hands on you, coins start falling out of your ass. Healthcare, pharmacy, food service, money transfer services, phone and video calls, commissary, substance abuse therapy, drug tests, uh, testing, process server, fine and ticket collection, court, bail bonds, GPS ankle monitoring, uh, and it's just on and on and on. They are raping Man, us. Why didn't a hurricane or a tornado come and just, just wipe them all out, man? I'm just gonna keep it real, man. Man, uh, 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 act of nature or something, man. These people are evil. Uh, let's take this call. Area code 405. Go ahead with your question or comments. I'm sorry, brother. I want to just chime in again. I'm I'm calm. I'm I'm cool now. Y'all had me in my feelings earlier. <laughs> All, right. All right. I just I just wanted to get back to um that situation when and this is something we need to address as far as when they dress me, you know, in the 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 unfitting clothes and basically humiliated me because they put me on a Greyhound bus with regular civilians, and I was, you know, everybody in basically knew that I was getting out of prison. But on that bus ride, you know, I was so happy to get out, but then reality sunk in. And I say, well, damn, I'm free. But they cut me loose, and I have nothing. I don't have no place to, I mean, like reality. And, and, and that's where, where they, it gets to the institutionalized mentality where, you know, they taking care of you every day and you take, you got to take care of yourself every day. But then they say, you know what? Today we're going to let you lose and let's see what you do. Hopefully you come back. If not, you're going to be messed up forever anyway. So, but the mentality, I mean, the fear when you are just basically thrown back into society. And, you know, things have changed. You have nothing. And 
reintegrating into society is is rough. Everybody looks at you, they're fearful. This man just got out of prison. So they're afraid of you. They don't want to deal with you. They give that fake half smile. And like, you know, like, man, is this guy going to kill me? Or, I mean, I'm telling you, that's a reality, man. And and for people to re reintegrate into society, that's tough, man, because I was really afraid. And, and luckily I had family that, you know, could get me. I mean, I, I've never been a slouch, but if that, everybody don't have those capabilities mentally or um resourcefully, whatever the words are, but resources. Man, another big thing. Right. You know, reintegrating in the society just cut you loose, man, and, 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 and the fear. Like what am I gonna do? And if I don't do what I'm supposed to do, I gotta report to this person in a few days and they're gonna give me a certain amount of days where I need to be gainfully employed and I have to mm -hmm. follow their rules and if I don't I'm going back and I mean, that, that's another aspect that we do have to look at. You know, they just cut us loose after they have totally torn us down spiritually, mentally, physically. Not me physically, but I'm just saying. I mean, it happens a lot. It does, man. And that, that is a really big problem because, and, and that's, that's just feeding the beast. That's feeding the machine. Well, in a mathematical term, what they have created is a self-organizing system called a fractal. Slavery itself has its own personality, so to speak. It's like a big demon that has been existing around since uh, the beginning of this country. And we did not conquer it. We only heard it temporarily. And it raised its head again. And it's a lot of good people involved in a bad system. And that's very possible. That's how it works. You have good people. Hugging their wives and children, giving Christmas gifts out, giving out charity, talking about who they love, who then go on to work every day to participate in the largest collection of human property in the history of the world. To participate in slavery. Just call it what it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But let's, fo let's not focus on the, the, the system. We already understand the system. We understand how they work well. I mean, as we're speaking, we understand the system. But what about that guy that's on the bus in a pink ass, uh, in a pink shirt, with some two little pants on, with his bag and his prison boots? I mean, think about what's going through his mind as he is basically flung back into society. And is he's a slave being returned into the, the free society with nowhere to right. go. And the, the laws of the time of the, of the post-emancipation laws analogy. for vagrancy and not having a job, not exactly. having nowhere to go, there you the go. vagrancy laws, there you go. the black codes, it's the same thing going on. It's the on same today, thing. It's the same thing. I mean, think about this. When, when they issue that, that fraudulent emancipation proclamation, and after the Civil War was over. Okay. Now you think about all of the enslaved Africans that we're talking millions of people just wandering the roads with nowhere. Do you think they felt like you, brother, on that bus? Of course they did. If they got off the slave plantation, like, what am I going to do now? See what they I'm saying? To. They had to. They had to. Even if they had ambition, they had self determination. But what are they going to do? I mean, you know what I mean? Brother, that's what I was saying earlier. 
you know, as, as I mentioned, I have sons who doing life in prison, and they are also the guys on the bus with the bags, like yourself. Like a lot of family I've lost in this prison system. And they've created this trap where once they let you out, 70% come right back in because they leave you in a situation where you have no hope, no way of making change. And that's that is why we need the abolitionists because reforming this is only keeping it going. They've got what they call million-dollar blocks in neighborhoods that are in poverty where entire families for generations are generating millions of dollars for the prison industry. You know, and I don't know about you, but my father was in prison. My brothers was in prison. My son is in prison. I'm the only one that didn't go. And I feel like I'm blessed for that. You know what I mean? So that, well, that's the type of environment sorry. that we have to deal with. And uh, the only way to stop that is to end it, to find every way you can to contribute your talents in that direction of ending that because it's not going to end with you. It's not about you anymore. It's not ending with you. It's going to happen to your children. It's going to happen to your cousin, your brother, your sister, your friend, your neighbor. Yeah, I understand. In my life, it ended that day. And, and they'll never see me again. I mean that. Dead or alive, they'll never see me again. However, I have been apologizing to my grown children for years. And they say, Daddy, you know, they always got the Christmas cards and the gifts mm -hmm. and stuff. But but I still apologize to my children. And these people have, they and they got me on a, a, a very non-violent. Uh, I, I basically was young and dumb and didn't know no better. I took a plea deal. I, I could have beat that case. But that changed my life and my children's life. However, it's not mm -hmm. too late for me because I have been working ever since then to make yeah. it right. And, and every now and then I get, I talk to my grown children. Like Scotty said, he has, you know, children in, in, in their twenties. I got children in, in their twenties, but you know, they sometimes they, they don't act adult like, but mm -hmm. you know, I wonder if, if that, you know, um, and I apologize to them. I because now I have a young child and, and I wish I could be the father that I was to my older children. And I apologize to them for that. But it's a bigger, it's a bigger thing. But mm -hmm. just the, the the fact that they they throw you out there like that, man, and and it's a, it's a very intricate, sophisticated plan. They do this, they know what they're doing, man. They whooping the hell out of us, man. The way you fight against it, brother, is to is to put your best effort into abolitionism. That's the only thing you can do. You can apologize forever to your children to try to make it right. You can talk to everybody you know and tell them how much you love them and you're sorry and you can work and you can do all these things. But the only way, and I think that's what Max is saying too, the only way to honor your own sacrifice, the only way to honor your unborn grandchildren is coming down the line and great-grandchildren. I mean, imagine the slaves that are, our, that are any of our ancestors right now that was existed 200 years ago, 300 years ago. The only thing they could do was resist. The only thing they could do was survive somehow and look for a way to end what was killing them so we wouldn't be a part of it. So for us right now, the way you pay that back is to tear this system down. Man, I'm trying every day, brother. And I pray right that's on. why I'm on this. That's why I'm on Abolitionist Radio, brother. <laughs> word, word, yes, man. Just the right. word abolition alone is outside the box.
and it makes and, and there's no such thing as like you say, always say, don't sit down and study. Now you say there's no such thing as reform. <laughs> right. There is no exception to abolish. There is no exception, man. Nope. So I'm with you, brother. I'm, I'm fighting with you, brother. I'm going to do it, man. Well, we're, we've got only about 15 minutes, a little less than 15 minutes left, and still got two segments, so we're going to have to get on to that. Uh, brother, our hearts go out with you. Thanks for listening. Keep spreading the word. We're going to get this done one way or another. All That's together right. now. Peace. Coming up on our, our next segment is going to be uh, our writer of the 21st century underground railroad. Just give me a second here to pull up this a little bit long. Yeah, Max, you're fading out again. Through. Talk up a little bit. Yes, sir. Is that better right there? Yes, sir. Yeah, we can hear you. All right. Sorry about that. Okay, uh, our writer of the 21st century underground railroad this week is a man who spent 22 years in prison for rape he didn't commit. And now he's facing very long legal battle with New York City over an $18 million jury award. They took away his freedom, and now they keep trying to take away his money. The city is doubling down its efforts to stop Alan Newton, who spent 22 years behind bars for a race he didn't commit, from collecting the $18 million verdict he, a jury awarded him in 2010. This is a journey that started in 1984, and it's still going on because the city refuses to take responsibility. Newton told the Daily News on Thursday. Manhattan Federal Court Judge Shira Shindlin had set aside the jury verdict in 2011, arguing Newton wasn't entitled to the money because the city didn't violate his civil rights. But the U.S. Second Circuit Court of Appeals reversed Shindlin's decision last February 26, reinstating the monumental verdict. The Federal Appeals Court also rejected the city's request to rehear the appeal. The city law department then tried to fight that ruling in the U.S. Supreme Court, but the high court declined to hear the case earlier this month, according to court documents. But the city is still refusing to pay up. The city law department claims that new court papers, the second court didn't weigh in, whether the amount of damage was appropriate and did not address the question whether the separate verdict on damages was excessive. All the appeals court did was decide whether the city was at fault for Newton's wrongful conviction and wrongful incarceration, the city lawyers argued. And they now want Schindlin to reduce the award. Newton said the city's efforts feel like an extension of an ordeal that began over 30 years ago when he was arrested and then convicted of raping a woman in an abandoned Bronx building and slashing her in the face with a razor. The victim had picked him out of a lineup and he was sentenced to 13 to 40 years in prison for rape, robbery, and assault. Newton's petitions for parole were shot down three times, and law enforcement officials claimed the victim's rape kit had disappeared, preventing him from proving his innocence. But the Innocence Project asked the Bronx District Attorney in 2005 to search for the rape kit. An extensive search yielded the evidence, and post-conviction DNA testing proved Newton's innocence. He was exonerated in 2006 and left prison penniless. He sued the city and the case went to trial in 2010 because the city wouldn't, off, wouldn't make a fair offer. Said, I was willing to take five minutes, man, said, just hearing this guy negotiating about his life that they stole. I was willing to take five million, they refused. They only offered one million, which was their way of saying they don't even want to talk. That's the far end of this story. I want to go. 
you can read, you'll be able to read it on New Abolitionist Radio. Welcome to Freedom, brother. Alan. Hope you get your reparations. Uh, he's negotiating. You know how much money they made off of him for 22 years straight, uh, averaging about 40, 30 to 40 thousand dollars a year. It has been all. Oh my God! The hell he had to live through. And now they want to negotiate. Get Bloomberg to pay it. Ain't he a billionaire? Hmm. Let him pay it. This is, man, uh, it's just sad, man. It's just sad, man. Now, remember, we said this every time in so many of these different cases that we reported on. Well, I'm not over the 26th century in the ground where many of them are a case of the missing DNA, which is in this warehouse all along. But nobody right. seems to have the strength in their legs to get up, walk to, and grab. Right. And so many people sit and rock, begging someone to go look. I mean, how can anyone be proud of this country? Where this is, this isn't like something that's uh, unique to New York. You know, uh, we didn't do the America is Ferguson series tonight, but this is pattern and practice all across this country. And yep. so I just don't see, you know, how people can be, and we live in the on the greatest country on the face of the planet. We the greatest democracy on the earth and, and blah, 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 blah. And you're still practicing slavery. Come on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't have too much more to say about this. Right. I, welcome. to. I'm, I'm glad you got your freedom, uh, Mr. Newton. And I hope you get your reparations. Keep fighting. Indeed. Keep up the fight, brother. And you know, the truth of the matter is, he's still broke. They ain't gave him nothing. He's trying to survive See, with nothing after they sold 22 of his years. Where's his GoFundMe at, man? Somebody set up a GoFundMe for Mr. Newton. Damn. Damn, if they could give, uh, uh, what, what's the, what's the killer name down there? Darren Wilson. Damn, they put a million in his pocket like that, man. Come on, y'all. Yeah. Yeah. And then invited him to ABC News to do an interview with Stephanopoulos. Got him another cold million for doing an interview, exclusive interview. See, this is the kind of this is the kind of thing that people are too chicken shit to take seriously. So they try to just be in denial that it even exists. I know what y'all doing. I see you. I know what you're doing. You're playing like it ain't real, so you don't have to face it. But this ain't no damn boogeyman in the closet. You scared of the dark. You don't want to go to sleep with the door closed. This some real people with a real system with a real foot in your ass and another one on your neck, and you don't have nowhere to go. You don't have no option. You don't have no freedom. You don't have no end to your story, to your life, to your kid's life. There is no end to the story that don't end some kind of way that they didn't write the end to your life. Franz Fanon told us that years ago. The end for the black man is white supremacy. I'm sorry to report to you. This was in 1950-something. The brother told you, I've, after everything I've studied, everything I looked at and tried to figure out, I have to come to this conclusion. The end for the black man is white supremacy. Y'all just keep acting like you don't see how you getting killed, how you getting done wrong in every imaginable way. And anytime it's a chance to show that it's equal or it's a chance, they don't do it. Darren Wilson, like you just said, got a million dollars, GoFundMe, from anonymous, non-racists, 
None of these people that gave was racist. None of those people, they're all your neighbors. They're all your friends and coworkers. They don't see race, don't see color, and rushed to give that man a million dollars. And then he got invited to ABC News and got another million dollars. But you cool. You good. Your Honor, we only got a few minutes left. Let's get this tape of the uh, abolitionist and profile. Abolitionist profile. So we have a, a minute or two for final statements. Right Scotty, on. if you've got that all queued up, uh, we're going to use this week's uh, abolitionist and profile is none other than Nat Turner. And we bring him out because there's a movie coming out right now, which is a hit. Apparently, at Sundance, has already gotten a $17-plus million officer offer called Birth of a Nation, the story of Nat Turner. And I've got a feeling and high hope that this film is going to change a lot of minds about what we're dealing with today. Brother Scotty? Nat Turner's 1831 slave rebellion stuns the nation and pushes the South's slave policing system to its limits. For white Virginians and white slaveholders across the South, it was uh, a shock. The paranoia shoots off the scale. 50 dead today, how many dead tomorrow? In Southampton County, Virginia, Nat Turner, an enslaved preacher, has his own interpretation of the Bible. He believes that God has chosen him to avenge the sins of slavery. As Turner makes his rounds preaching in the field, he quietly enlists other slaves to his cause. For months, the men meet secretly, conspiring on the plans of their uprising. In the early morning hours of August 21, 1831, Turner and his men launched one of the largest slave rebellions in American history. The rebels move from home to home, killing every white person they meet. As they advance towards the nearby town of Jerusalem, more recruits join them. The local slave patrols have failed to uncover Turner's plot. So the militia is called out to track down and kill the rebels. For 36 hours, the rebellion rages on. Church bells ring out in distress. Rumors spread among whites that the whole southern slave population has finally exploded in revolt and that the British are invading to liberate the slaves. As panic swells, the United States government provides important military support. And that support is ensured by slaveholder power. Don't forget that slavery is protected not only by the slaveholder, not, not only by the local militia or the state militia, but also by the full force of the military might of the United States of America. Except for that, slavery would not have been possible in the South. As the hunt for Nat Turner and his men continues, 800 U.S. troops join 2,000 local militiamen. Within a week, the rebellion is squashed. More than 50 rebels are captured. Nearly 60 white men, women, and children have been killed. The violence doesn't fully subside until Nat Turner is captured two months later on October 31st, not by a patrol or slave catcher, but by a farmer, by accident. Turner is tried, hanged, and skinned. In all, the state executes 55 black people for conspiring with Turner. The Turner Rebellion frightened whites literally out of their minds, and yet even that wasn't strong enough to provoke them to get rid of slavery as an institution. 
Salute. Salute Nat Turner. You see that? Even that wasn't enough Salute. to make them stop. It wasn't nope. enough. Nope. It's like they were, and they did fight a civil war for no other reason than to continue walking on your back and using you as personal property to enrich them, their family, and their lineage. Nah, there was hundreds of those. I mean, yeah, we know that, and we definitely proud of the story and know, you know, the the, the details as best we've been able to be communicated to us. But we also know there was hundreds and hundreds of them that tried and did the best they could. It's, it's untold numbers that, that rose up and fought and those that got murdered. And that's how committed these people are to maintaining this, is that they don't even want to tell about the ones of theirs that was killed. Yeah, They'd right. rather try to sweep it all under the rug, like, oh, well, you know. Don't talk like about it. the ones that fought that. Right. And the ones that fought back right here. If you're listening to New Abolitionist Radio. We're about to close up this evening. We appreciate you coming. Uh, final comments for the night, brothers? We've only got a minute now. Right. Oh, man, my final comments is is that, you know, week in and week out, we come on this program with well-researched uh, articles. We share our opinions. We share our thoughts. We try to give you the, the historical connections and make the argument that slavery was never abolished. And it's codified right there in the 13th Amendment. And, you know, it is not going to end itself. Um, the only way that it's going to end is if we have more abolitionists. There's nothing else. We don't need reformists. We need abolitionists. And it's going to take an army of abolitionists for us to finally wipe this scourge from the face of this planet. And so that's all I got to say, man. I have no illusions about what we up against. I'll be quick here. Uh, fact number 69 from the book by uh, J.A. Rogers, famous historian, 100 Amazing Facts About the Negro with Complete Proof. Fact number 69. In 1860, there were 487,000 free Negroes in the United States of America, some of whom owned slaves. According to C.D. Wilson, estimates are that there were 6,230 Negro slave owners around the country. The tax returns for the city of Charleston in South Carolina for 1860 showed 132 Negro slaveholders with a total of 390 slaves. The Negro slaveholders, like the white ones, fought to keep their chattel during the Civil War. I just want you to think about that because uh, just like most everything else about slavery that is still going on this to this day, Ain't a damn thing changed. You need to look at them people that sit next to you. Peace to the abolitionists and death to the oppressors. The role of the artist is exactly the same as the role of the lover. If I love you, I have to make you conscious of things you don't see. James Baldwin. Remember that abolition is the reason for a revolution. So we can finally make some peace. Peace. Rise up, rise up, rise up, rise up. Just lift your eyes up, let your wise rise up, see the signs of the times if it's time, rise up, rise up.
when death and hell dwell among all God's people, when those we chose and trusted have become completely corrupted and inherently evil, when the beast that feeds you starves our father's children, when snuff porn and pedo forms begin to get top billing, rise up, when famine claims millions, when justice gives blind eyes to billions, when the Lord's anger is no longer feared, if his protection is gone and your enemies are near, if you've seen the seas spill over and the mountains shake, break, and fall, if the moon ever turns blood red and you can't see the sun at all, 